Welcome to the Free Range Preacher on Prayer podcast. Your host, as always, is Fred. Our desire is to encourage, exhort, and educate on biblical prayer through this podcast. The mission of the podcast is to help everyone God allows us to help achieve a growing, biblical, dynamic, and satisfying prayer life. If you have any questions, comments, or prayer requests, you can reach us at freerangeprayer at gmail.com. If you would like, you can make a positive review wherever you get your podcast. That would be appreciated. Welcome to today's episode of Free Range Preacher on Prayer Podcast. Welcome again to the Free Range Preacher on Prayer Podcast. This is going to be a, and a, and a dev- devotional episode. Um, devotional episodes for me are the shorter segments that I hope will increase our um, our reference uh, reverence for God uh, in um, Psalm 119. Uh, boy, I've lost the verse at this point, uh, but in Psalm 119. Um, 119.38, actually, uh, David says, Establish thy word to thy servant as that which produces reverence for thee. And that is what I would like these little devotionals do, is to increase our reverence for uh, our God and our Savior, um, Jesus, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, th- that's the point of these, and, and hopefully we can do that. Um, tonight, what we're going to look at is a devotional on faith. Uh, believing God, uh, we're told four times very specifically we need to walk by faith. And when we pray, obviously we are fulfilling one of that part of that mandate in walking by faith. Uh, we'll discuss that uh, later on in a full episode. But um, for now, we are fulfilling that um, admonition to walk by faith. But today I wanted to look at a, uh, a, a passage, a, a verse specifically that is is a little bit difficult for me. Um, and it's difficult because a few years ago, I did a, a character study for Sunday school one summer, just a short character study on different Old Testament characters. And it's always interesting when you do that, when you can read and read and read the passages, and, and um, which I love to do. But when you start to break them down, you learn some pretty fascinating things. Uh, and some life lessons things as well uh, as you break those down. One of the things I learned during this uh, study was um, I had a real hard time with Jacob uh, in the Old Testament. And um, I, I got to kind of be a little bit careful uh, because uh, I've been pretty hard on Jacob. Uh, and the reason is he spent most of his life doubting more than he was faithful, uh, looking at the pessimist, pessimistic side of things as opposed to what God is doing. And I, I think the reason I had such a hard time with him in that regard is because I am too much like him. So that's the, the kind of confession. And so I want to, to, want to be careful because I don't want to be too hard. But at the same time, um, as we grow and mature in our faith, which Jacob should have done uh, much earlier than he did, um, there are certain things that if we keep the right perspective can help us to have that faith. And very often it's the perspective that we need. We need to kind of pull back a little bit. We're in the midst of whatever trial we're in or whatever situation we're in. 
and we don't see the full perspective. And that's why, that's the value of many of the um, uh, biblical history, much of the biblical history, is it gives us that perspective. And then as we experience with God through our lives, we know that He is not only able, but He designs our lives as well. And so, I want to juxtapose, actually, at this point, Jacob's lack of faith with some people who did have faith. And so, as a devotional, too, I don't want this to get too long, but it may anyway. And so, in Genesis 42, 36, uh, we see that uh, there's famine in the land. Uh, Joseph is the um, second in command in Egypt, and he has, over the first year, the years of uh a great harvest. He's gathered the grain, and he's he's saved it up so that when there the famine came, if you'll remember the prediction, <clears throat> the uh, the interpret interpretation uh, Joseph interpreted of the Pharaoh's dream, then they would have food for the land because uh, they had seven years of bounty, and then there were going to be seven years of famine. And again, this was God designed, but this was the situation. And he was in Egypt. He was ruler. Uh, his brothers had come to get food. And I know you remember, but he didn't tell them who he was. Uh, but he did want to see his brother, Benjamin, who they didn't take. That was uh, Jacob's youngest son. And um, Joseph's only full-blooded brother was Benjamin. And so... Uh, what Joseph did for reasons of his own, which we don't have time to go into, he he held Simeon uh, as a hostage. And then he said, when you need to come back for more food, you're free to come back. But when you come back so that I can make sure you're honest men and not spies, uh, you need to bring Benjamin back with you because they didn't take him the first time. And so uh, the um, sons of Jacob get back home and they tell their father what happened and they open the grain, the food that they have. And not only did they find the food that they purchased, they also found the money that they had uh, given to Joseph, given to the Pharaoh, back in their sacks. And in uh, Genesis 42.6, this is where we get to the crux of my issue with Jacob is he took that as a very bad omen. And so he said, you're not going back. You're not going to take Benjamin back with you. But the way he put it was like this. Um, Joseph is dead, or no more. Simeon is no more. And you're going to take Benjamin away from me. I'm going to be reft of all my children. All these things are against me is what he said in that passage. And um, so he, 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 the, they have their food, they're back, everybody's safe. Uh, Simeon isn't there, but you can assume that he's safe because he's a hostage, and there's no sense in having a dead hostage. <clears throat> but Jacob takes this in the worst possible light. And so what he's basically saying is the past really stinks. Joseph is dead. And the present really stinks because now I've lost Simeon and the future is going to stink because I'm going to lose Benjamin. Now, not even to to touch on the fact that he's bereft of his children, 
Well, he's talking to uh, 11 of his 12 sons, or I guess 10 of his 12 sons, and they've got to kind of feel like, you know, around our house we say chop liver. They're like, what do we chop liver? Um, but be that as it may, he's taking that that um, pessimistic path. Now, the interesting part about this is even though he doesn't know it, we know it. We know the perspective. We know that at this point in time, he is just a few months away from probably the best day of his life. And that's what makes this so much more poignant is he's looking at everything and he's looking at everything as disaster. And the reality is in a few months, he's going to be probably happier than he's ever been in his whole life. And um, that's, that's where I get myself into trouble as well. We need to have the faith that the past doesn't really stink. That there are, is tragedy in the past, but we can, we can see how God's working in that. We can, there are always things to glory in. The present isn't as typically as bad as it looks, and we don't know what's going to, to come about. Um, but at this time, he has no reason to lament for the present. And then the future is in God's hands, and we know. So what I want to do is ju juxtapose those three situations with um, people um, who displayed faith, displayed the faith that Jacob didn't have. And so when we're considering the past, uh, it was a tragedy um, for, and we can give Jacob a break on this, for all intents and purposes, he he believes Joseph is dead. Um, all the evidence is that is that Joseph is dead, and so there is an amount of sadness in it. But even in our past, when God's working and He is working for uh, reasons in in everything, we know from Romans eight twenty eight, right? All things work together um, for our good uh, and His glory, and um, so there are reasons to rejoice. And in this case, um, He could. Even though he's sad, he could say, you know what, I had a wonderful son. He was a great son. He did, he did some wonderful things. Um, I enjoyed his character. He was uh, actually a good leader for everybody else, uh, all you boys, even though they didn't like him. Um, and on top of that, even though he's gone now, I'm going to see him in the future. And he could have taken solace in that, but he didn't. He said, everything's against me. Joseph is no more. And as I thought about this, um, the, the thought of David uh, came to mind because David, well, over his lifetime, he lost several sons, but one son in particular, um, his um, son with Bathsheba. Um, I, I get the sense that, that, that Bathsheba may have been the real love of David's life. And, um, of course, he sinned. Uh, with her and then against her husband, but be that as it may, um, I, I think he really was. He really did love Bathsheba, and so, um, and God said, "Your son with that's going to be part of his punishment." So it was a special situation for David. He knew that judgment was coming, and one of those judgments was going to be the loss of his son. Um, but the boy was born, and the boy was sick. And what David did was he fasted and prayed for a week. And he wept and lamented and, and prayed for seven days. Um, at the end of those seven days, he, he kind of looked around and he saw that his servants 
didn't want to come close to him. And so David perceived that the boy was dead. So he got off his knees, he got up, he got cleaned up, and he asked for some food. And when um, the servant said, what's going on here? We are afraid to tell you that the boy was dead and, and, and you've been praying. And now that he is dead, you've just kind of jumped up and you're ready to go on. And David explains, because he's experienced this before, the, I was praying because the Lord may have uh, relented from this judgment. But now that he hasn't, now that the boy is dead, um, there's nothing I can do about that anymore. But I do know that I will see him in the future. When I get to heaven, I will see him. And so David was able to do what Jacob wasn't able to do, which was rejoice in the good parts about the past. And we all have those, and we all have tragedies, and we all have things that um, that we can be sad about and we can focus on in a negative way. But our um, faith says, you know what, maybe I don't understand everything in the past, and I'm really sorry that, that uh, Jacob is gone. Um, me personally, I'm really sorry that my dad wasn't able to see his grandchildren. Um, and so that's sad, but I know that his grandchildren will see him in heaven and his great-grandchildren as well. So there's a reason to rejoice. So when we look at the past, our God is in control and he has done things in the past that we can glorify him for. I was going to say wonderful things. They really are wonderful, even though they are sometimes hard to face. And so when we look back, um, and and even in this, um, in this section, he had a purpose. And even though Joseph has been bereft of, or I'm sorry, Jacob has been bereft of Joseph for uh, at least two years, three years, four years, um, that was for the purpose of God, for the salvation of his whole household. And so at the end of uh, Jacob's life, after he's gone, um, Jacob's brothers, uh, or Joseph's brothers come back to him and and, and they're a little afraid of, of what... Um, Joseph might do, but in uh, Genesis 50, 20, Joseph says this, As for you, you meant it for evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. And Jacob couldn't have known that at this point, but God did have a purpose in that. And so when we look at our past, even if we can't figure out what the tragedy was all about, we do know that God had a had a purpose and it may not be revealed to us here but it will be revealed to us in the um, in the future obviously when we get to glory so the past really wasn't as stinky as Jacob uh, made it out to be and they, again it, it was his choice to focus on the negative instead of looking at the positive like uh, at, at the least of which he could have said like David I'll see him again I'll get to see my son again and he didn't do that. And then he says, Simeon's dead. Now this one, we have to actually not cut him so much slack because Simeon is not dead and he has no reason to believe that Simeon's dead at this point. Uh, in fact, as I mentioned earlier, Simeon is a hostage and you don't hold somebody hostage and then kill them uh, because then they're no good as a hostage. And 
Joseph really did want to see his brother Benjamin, and so he held Simeon there. So, actually, Jacob has no reason to believe that he's dead, but he does. And he says, I've lost, I've lost Simeon, so the future's terrible now. And when, when I thought about that, I, was, I thought of uh, Peter came to mind. And again, kind of, a, for me, a humorous passage in um, Acts uh, 12, uh, 6 through 11. Um, if you'll remember, uh, Peter is in jail. He's ready to be killed. Um, he's in jail for preaching the gospel. Um, the authorities are going to uh, martyr him, kill him. Andrew's already been martyred. Andrew is dead. And so um, Peter is awaiting his execution. And we find Peter in this passage um, unconcerned, so unconcerned about the present, so unconcerned about what's about to happen to him. And again, he has no reason to believe that it may not happen. Um, uh, because we have faith in God, that doesn't mean bad things don't happen, right? We all know that. And so Andrew's dead. Andrew's already been martyred. And so he has no reason, um, no earthly reason to believe that Tomorrow's not going to bring anything different for him. But we find him so unconcerned that he's asleep. Okay? To him, the present isn't bad. The present is going to be what God's will is going to be, and he is sleeping. And in fact, he's so sound asleep that when the angels come to rescue him, remember, they have to give him a, a little bit of a push in the side, um, a little bit of a kick it sounds like to me in the side to wake him up he's got two guards he's in chains and he's sleeping and I would love to be able to sleep like that all the time and I imagine Jacob did as well um, but the angels came the chains fell off they got him up um, he thought he was kind of in a, in a dream in a vision uh, until he got outside and, and the colder air kind of woke him up and he came to to himself and he realized he was free and so the present was bleak but not as bleak as Peter thought it was going to be and we're going to uh, unfold this uh, uh, kind of a, um, make a point in a little bit as well but again he had so much peace about what was going on right now that he was fast asleep and so the Lord saved him the Lord had a plan for him um, but it didn't seem to matter whether the plan was going to end tomorrow or not. Peter was sleeping. And it almost makes me wonder, One of my, again, one of my favorite passages in the Psalms is Psalm 4, uh, 8. And David says in this passage, In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for thou alone, O Lord, dost make, doth make me to dwell in safety. And that's where Peter was. He could lie down and sleep in the midst of that, danger in the midst of his enemies because it was the Lord who is protecting him. And so he has faith in the future. And so um, Jacob could have said, okay, Simeon's gone, but we'll, we'll get him back. When we go back, um, we'll, we'll let you take Benjamin and, and we'll go back. But, but he didn't. He said um, he believed Simeon was gone as well. Uh, so again, the Lord keeps us in he has a purpose in the past, and he keeps us in peace in the present uh, because he's doing what he's going to do. And then he says, and now you're going to take Benjamin away. I'm going to be reft of, of my children. And 
for, for this passage to juxtapose to that, I thought of Paul in jail in Philippi. Now, I believe this is his first uh, stint in jail. Um, I think he got out from his uh, Philippian time in jail and then um, was able to uh, preach again for, um, I don't know how long, but a few years before he went to, uh, he ended up in the Mamertine prison. When we see the prison epistles, I believe those were written later in his life than Philippians. And he, he did die in that. He died. He was martyred himself. But in this uh, I, in this present circumstance, I think he's um, he's there. He's in the Praetorian Guard. He's in pretty comfortable digs. Um, he's preaching to different soldiers every day. The gospel is being spread. Um, and, but he doesn't know what's going to happen. The future is just ahead, and he doesn't know what's going to happen. And for um, Paul in Philippians 1, 21 through 26, he basically says... I don't know what's going to happen. I could live and I could die. Uh, and in fact, either one, I'm, I'm hard-pressed, he says, to decide because dying would be much better. I would love to get to go to go home and, and be in heaven and to be with the Lord and, and, and you know, to, to have this, um, this uh, troubles in this life ended. But if I live on, I know it's going to be fruitful labor. So when he looked to the future, he didn't say, everything's against me and I'm going to die. Um, the reality is we're all going to die someday um, when, when we're done, when we've got our ministry fulfilled. But for Paul, dying would even be better. But living, he's going to go on with spiritual fruit. He's, he's going to be able to, to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. He's going to be able to serve the Lord. So it didn't matter to Paul whether he lived or died. Either way, had good stuff in it. And so he was, he was at that spot where he was just content with whatever the Lord's will was going to be. Um, he had an idea that he was going to get released. That's one of the reasons I believe that he was released, because the Philippians were praying for him. He was still needed in Philippi. He was still needed in Rome. At this point, he hadn't um, uh, gone to Rome as a missionary, or he had just gotten there um, as a missionary, even though he was in chains. And so... Jacob did not need to fear what was going to happen to Benjamin. And even if, for some reason, Benjamin died before Jacob did, um, he still has that, uh, I'm going to see him in heaven. She could have had that, I'm going to see him in heaven attitude. And so um, we see that we don't have to, to look at life like Jacob looked at life without faith. We know that the past and the present and the future is in God's hands, and he's working in that. In fact, Jacob may have said, okay, you know, when it's ready to go back, go ahead and take Benjamin with you. I can't wait to see Simeon again. I can't wait to see Benjamin again. We'll get some more food that we need. And maybe, maybe God will even give us our money back like he did this time. And so instead of seeing the money back as something to fear, Jacob should have seen it as a blessing and maybe even anticipated we'll, we'll get our money back again. Um, but he had little faith. And that happens, uh, like I said to me, way too often. And so um, Jacob in this situation was wrong. Joseph was not dead. Uh, the past was designed by God as a providence for the salvation of his whole household. 
And, and so we see God worked in the past, even though we may not understand it at the moment. And then Simeon was not dead. In his present circumstance, Simeon was the mechanism which was going to open the door for the salvation of Jacob's whole household. In other words, he had to go back. He had to go back. He had to send his sons back to see Simeon and to get more food. So actually, Simeon's circumstances, and um, I believe biblically uh, in the passage, he was treated well while he was there. But that was God's mechanism to get the um, uh, to get Jacob's whole household saved. And then, like I said before, Jacob was just on the cusp at this point when he sends them back, just now a few days away from the best day of his life. And we need to hold on to that faith that whatever God is going to bring, it could be the best day of our life. And in the absence of the last uh, couple of weeks, God has answered the, uh, a couple of prayers for me like that. And I've been greatly rejoicing because he answered in such a way that what I really, really desired, he, he provided. And then um, he's, he's answering some uh, ancillary consequences of that. The podcast being able to be faithful and getting on a schedule, that's one of those things that I really view as a blessing. If you've listened to them, you, you may not, because uh, as far as difficulty in listening but uh, to me, but God has answered that, and Jacob was just a few days away from that. And so Benjamin was not only safe, but he was safe in the plan of God. And once Jake Joseph's love for his brother was fulfilled, in other words, he got to see him again, that love brought the whole family together, and Jacob knew he was going to see his son. And for the first time in his life, I think he really rested in faith. And uh, part of what Genesis 45, 28 says for, um, uh, for Jacob uh, is, um, it's enough. It's enough that I'm going to see Jacob again. And so um, he was able to, uh, to see to have that day, to have that joy, to see his son, and to even to bless Joseph's grandchildren. And so he was right there. Um, and so when we kind of pull back and see the perspective, our God is such a great God that he has the past, present, and future planned out. He has it set. He has it. It's good. It's going to be good for us. And so um, it's really exciting that we're there and we have that uh, that ability, and and I know in my soul even right now I I don't have the kind of faith that that uh, David had or that Peter had um, uh, or that um, Paul had in this passage as well. And actually, the first one, yeah, we really looked at David. I wish I did. I know that there are going to be days of doubt, and I hate it when I doubt. But I should be, in my point, at this point in my life, be able to say it's enough. And when I don't say, when I can't say myself, it's not enough. It's not because God has failed. It's because my faith has failed, my weakness. And so I understand the weakness of Jacob. But God is in control of the past, present, and future. And so we're able to uh, to rejoice and to have that devotion, to have that trust, know that he to know that he's taking care of everything.
Thank you, Heavenly Father, for um, today. And we do bless you and thank you for your goodness to us. Uh, I personally just confess, Lord Jesus, that my faith is not what it should be. But I thank you that it's not you that makes that happen. It's my weaknesses. And so I just bless you and, and rejoice. And I just would pray that that the, just the thought, the perspective, that you're taking care of everything, that the past has a meaning beyond what we can even imagine, and that the present is going to be okay. It may be a little different than what we thought, uh, like Jacob did think, uh, Lord, he was going to get Simeon back. And it didn't turn out exactly that way, but it wasn't a disaster like he like he said it was. And then you've got the future. And whether we get to go home with you, which is the worst thing man can do to us, right? That, that that's, that's it. Um, or we get to keep on living and being fruitful for you. We have that, that ability. So help us to have that faith. Encourage us our hearts, Lord Jesus. And help us to have reverence for you because you are the God who takes care of all those things. So we bless you, uh, Lord Jesus, and we pray this uh, according to your name, because your name is great over all the earth, and we want your will to be done. So thank you for that. Um, bring us back uh, to be able to listen um, and learn, uh, even from the, the podcast, Lord Jesus. Thank you that you take um, the, the, little, the little fish and uh, the, the one piece of bread that I have, and you multiply it. So I just pray that you would bless and lead and um, encourage people, uh, everyone, to come to you in prayer and to love you and to trust you, Lord Jesus, and to be able to say uh, the past glorifies you, the present is going to glorify you right now, and the future will certainly glorify you. Again, we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. So I look forward to the next episode. Uh, I do anyway. And um, I hope this is a blessing. Uh, now may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Free Range Preacher. We hope you enjoyed it and will join us for our next broadcast coming up soon. For Fred and myself, this is Richard Durrington saying, Make it a godly, fun-filled day.